Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about Michigan State's 82-69 loss to Indiana in Bloomington this afternoon on Sunday. Uh, before we begin, I just want to thank Doug Kopp, who has joined the other patrons on Patreon and is now a monthly supporter for the show on the Scott Skiles level. Thank you so much for Doug. We appreciate your support and all of you who support us monthly uh, via uh, Patreon and also those of you who donate to us via PayPal and Venmo. It is a uh, a lot of work to do the show, and so we really appreciate that you appreciate what we're doing, the content providing you on Michigan State basketball, because it is a very unique show. You look around and most teams don't have this sort of thing that's offered for the fans. And so we're glad that you like it. We certainly enjoy doing it a little bit tougher today. Uh, Michigan State goes into Bloomington and, you know, I guess you could say, well, this is sort of kind of not inevitable, but it was sort of, it was going to be a challenging game anyway with the amount of games they have been playing recently. I think it was like the fourth or fourth game and for fifth game in like 10 days or 16 days or something like that. Uh, but also just coming off a home games against Purdue and Rutgers recently, which are, you know, top echelon teams in the Big Ten. And so just turn around in a couple of days to go down to Bloomington and try and uh, win on the road in Indiana, which always is hard, but especially when Indiana is playing better. Uh, you know, you look at the game and you're, you can say to yourself, well, Michigan State early was playing really well, hitting their outside shots. They were playing good defense. They Their strategy on TJD seemed to be working where they were doubling down and uh, leaving shooters open occasionally, like the right ones. And then Indiana started hitting shots. Michigan State had a little bit of trouble getting out. And then I think the, I feel like the turning point really for this game was when Ogard got his second foul in the first half, was sat the last what, eight or nine minutes, and Indiana just went on a tear. Michigan State's offense just was not, it was not functioning properly. And Pierre Brooks, you know, had a number of open looks and just, I don't know, he just can't hit anything at this point. And I mean, it's not just his fault, certainly. And a number of, and a number of blown plays yeah. defensively. I, I just, Look, I, I was a big Pierre Brooks booster um, when he was in high school, and I was very, very glad that Michigan State got him. Um, but it's reached the point now where I, I – and they had to play him today, mm -hmm. but you can't play him. I mean, this was just – and you could say, well, he'll hit shots. Yeah, I. that's not enough. Um, he, he wasn't hitting shots, which made it worse, but, uh, the defense was awful and you have to play when you're trying to do what Michigan state was trying to do in this game, which was to send help, but still rotate back to shooters. Yeah. 
it's going to take absolutely dialed in execution from everybody. And I lost count and he didn't play that many minutes, but I lost count of how many times he failed to be where he needed to be when he needed to be there, failed to recognize the situation. It's just, it's, I hate, I hate saying it, but it's gotten to the point that I don't think you can trust him. And honestly, right now, given where things are for the, you know, we don't know what Malik Hall's situation is going to be. Malik Hall gets back. It changes the dynamic. You don't have to worry about it very much, but if he's still out like on Thursday against Iowa, if Malik doesn't play, I'd rather see Jason Whitens get those minutes. Yeah. That's where I'm at because you just can't afford the defensive breakdowns. Even if he's hitting an occasional three, you can't afford it. Yeah. And, and he's not get, he's going backward. He's not getting better. Yeah. His, his defense is bleeding into his offense. Right. And then, and then the offense is bleeding more well, into his defense. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but, but this is the thing, you know, offense comes and goes meaning shot making primarily this happens, you know? So, it's why that old cliche that I think some fans don't buy into that, you know, offense looks pretty, but defense wins championships, defense travels, all those supposed cliches. They're true. (laughs) They're absolutely accurate. Defense can be something that is consistent. And if it's not there, it's consistently a problem. And so that's the issue right now. I agree with you. Getting off Pierre's case, I agree with you that that was a turning point in the game. Um, But let's remember, Michigan State fought back to limit the damage and was only down five at the half and then had a lead 51-49 in the second half. They came out of the gate in the second half playing well. But I think two things in the second half really could, well, three things contributed to Michigan state's downfall. The first was this is the worst game in a while from AJ Hogarth. Mm-hmm. AJ Hogarth didn't play well, not in any respect. And there's you give Indiana credit for the kind of defense they played, but you know, generally speaking, it's, it's a struggle for Michigan state offensively. If you look at the assist totals relative to um, their made field goals, And in this one, Michigan State had a grand total of six assists on 23 baskets. So that's just over a 25% clip. That tells the story. And part of that was definitely the way Indiana played. I thought they were very aggressive on the perimeter. Um, And in this game, at least they could afford to be because their big men were solid and Michigan State didn't punish them sufficiently for that. But I also put some of it. I didn't think this was as good a defensive performance as, say, the one that Illinois gave no. uh, a week or so ago. And so I put a lot of that on the guy who's supposed to be your playmaker. I just did not think AJ was sharp. I didn't think he was dialed in. He got taken out of his rhythm by that foul trouble in the first half. So that was part of it. But even in the second half, when he was able to play, he just. It wasn't there. It just wasn't there. <laughs> And, um, and that hurt Michigan State. I think the second thing that hurt Michigan State was 
give credit where credit's due. Indiana was absolutely dialed in from yeah. three. Oh, yeah. I mean, amazing. We, we talked about it in the pregame. We'll return to it in the keys. It's not a shocker and a good shooting team, which they are at home. Sometimes you can see this. Tamar Bates was unconscious. I mean, the moment you knew it was over, at least I knew it was over, was when Michigan State was down nine. And he's trying to feed the post to TJD. And Tyson makes a good defensive play and deflects it. But it goes right back to him. And he's about 25 feet from the basket. He just rises up and yeah. drains it. He had no business making that <laughs> shot. He's a good shooter, but he that's not a good shot. And yet he made it. And it was a good shot in that situation, I guess, because he was in rhythm, he was feeling it, and he hit it. So I think Indiana's shot making, and and some of that was on Michigan State's defense, which we'll talk about because there were a lot of open looks, uh, which was disconcerting to see. But give Indiana credit for making those shots. And then the third thing was MSU after a decent, I thought, first half in terms of defensive rebounding, I, I thought the second half was a train wreck. I mean, Indiana only ended up with nine somehow, but man, they might've had all nine in the second half. I don't, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have a breakdown, but there were a couple of big possessions. I felt for momentum in that second half where they just were playing keep away and eventually scored one. I think they had four shots. They had one off a rebound too, right? That was sort of a backbreaker too. He missed the front end of one and one. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. So those, those were the things to me. I mean, look, it, I didn't think Michigan state played a horrible game. I really didn't. I just felt like Indiana was really dialed in. They are on a hot streak right now. And I will, I will tell fans this, believe this. Take it to the bank, please. <laughs> if you think I know anything about anything, Indiana is not going on a straight line up from here. It's not happening. What they are in is the same kind of run that we have seen a good number of Big Ten teams go through this year. It has an inevitability to it. I haven't looked at their schedule to see who they play next, but they've won three in a row. Uh, particularly if the game is on the road, I'm going to bet they lose it. <laughs> That's just the nature of, of the way the Big Ten has gone this year. And while I think they have maybe sorted some things out and maybe they are better with some of these guys out, although we did surprisingly see yeah. Race Thompson make a cameo today. Um, having said that, I, I'm not bought in on Indiana because I don't think Indiana is going to make shots like this all year. And I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to defend like that all year. Um, and they're going to make a lot more mistakes than they did because that's who they are. They're, they are that team often enough. But today, unfortunately, Michigan State was running into a team that was playing extremely well and on a bit of a hot streak and playing them at home. And so playing decently, which is what I thought MSU did, was not going to be enough. Yeah. Well, and I think, and the other thing too, Indiana shot the lights out from the free throw line too. So any opportunity to kind of catch up in that respect, I mean, they were 21 of 24, which yeah. is what do they average? I think 68% for the season. Yeah. Uh, that's so, a good point. You know, that's they, a very and important Michigan State point. shot 68%, which is well below their, well below their average. And especially guys who are normally, you know, hit them all. That's another, that's another thing with AJ Hogarth. Now he wasn't a disaster today. He was seven for 10, but. 
I haven't totaled up the numbers, but I can just tell you anecdotally over like the last three games, he's been he off. Has been, yes, I agree. He has not shot free throws the way he's capable of. And then Joey Hauser, who came in at 90%, was nine for 12, which look, again, not a disaster, 75%, but you'd expect Joey to hit 11 of right. those. Yeah. So that's two points you left. That's, you know, probably four points you left on the floor between those two guys in terms of what you would expect them to do at the line. Um, and that hurt. Yeah. Well, I guess there's not a whole lot else to say about the game. I mean, at least from a general standpoint. So, uh, maybe we'll just talk about the keys and then we'll, uh, look. well, uh, no, there's some, there's some things, Okay. uh, you know, I said, I don't think Michigan state played poorly. Um, I thought Joey Hauser, despite the free throw issues played That's a true. very good yep. game, 22 points. He was 14 in the first half, eight in the second. Six rebounds, you'd maybe like to see a little more out of him there. Um, but he was aggressive, and he was really good in the start yeah. of the game. And uh, but but kept contributing. I thought he I thought he did his job. I thought Jade Nakins, in a lot of ways, maybe played his best game of the year. Um, Fifteen points. He was six for eight overall from the floor. Three for four from three. Only had two rebounds, but uh, and, and they only credited him with one steal. I'm not. Maybe I'm. I seem to recall like two, like but, right in a row, um, like a but you had the one where he dunked. Yeah, yeah. But in any event, he was, I thought he was really good. I thought he was aggressive. I he was dialed in defensively and obviously his shot has started to fall yeah. again. So that's a good, a good thing to see. And then uh, Jackson Kohler, nine point six boards. Um, and in a, in a challenging game for him, you know, playing against Trace Jackson Davis, he wasn't just scoring against Renault. He took he took TJD yeah. on a couple of occasions. Um, his first bucket in particular, just a great move. And I, and again, I think we're seeing. Look, he's he's not ever this year going to be even a truly functional defender by the definition by what I mean by that. But he's getting better. Yeah. I thought he was okay. They were able to take advantage of him at times, but it wasn't the same kind of just blow by no chance kind of stuff that you were seeing early in the year. He is getting better. So all of those things were encouraging. And I actually thought, even though he only ended the game with eight points, I thought Tyson Walker played really well. He was really good. Um, Let's see what they gave him credit like for. Steals. Well, they did. They gave him credit for four steals. Yeah. And he was really good on those double downs or, or dig downs. Sorry. Against, uh, against Jackson Davis. He had at least a couple of them on those plays where his timing was great. Uh, you know, Tyson, the word is Tyson had a flu and they were, they didn't think he was going to go this morning. So I think given all of that, he played what he play 33 minutes. <laughs> I thought he played pretty well. You would have liked to have seen him get some more shots up, but I think all things considered, he gave him a pretty good effort. But I, I think, you know, AJ was clearly not himself. I thought Madi was okay. He was better than he was against Rutgers, but, you know, that's that's probably not enough. Four points, four boards. You, you need more than that from him. Um, and then we mentioned Pierre struggled. The tray was all right. Um, missed a, a layup that I thought was a really good look. Great move. Just didn't finish it. Uh, and that's really about yeah. it. 
individually. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, well, why don't we just go through the keys of the game because I'll cover some other things too, I suppose. Um, uh, before we do that, I just want to remind you of our sponsor nudge printing. They can provide high quality Michigan state and other college apparel and decals. They have car decals. They have things you put on your cornhole or on your computer. Uh, and they also have all the really cool vintage Michigan state stuff. So like the old Michigan state gruff Sparties and the various derivations of him. The company's owned and operated by Gabe and Brittany, both MSU alums. They do not sell Michigan based Michigan university of gear. Uh, they're all Michigan produced and I'd encourage you to go and check out their stuff. I've got a couple shirts. I've got a, t- a sweatshirt. It's really soft. It's uh, I really like the sweatshirt a lot. It's not real bulky, which is lots of sweatshirts. So it's a little bit more wearable with like coats and stuff like that. Uh, you can check out their website at nudgeprinting.com and you can use a coupon code final four to get 20% off at checkout. All right, well, let's come back with the keys of the game in just a moment. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, the keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. We'll start with number one, which is defensive game plan. And this is the thing that I think I think I'm most interested to hear your thoughts on because it felt like the question, of course, with with TJD, are you going to double team him, dig down, or sort of some combination of maybe what you did against Dickinson? Are you going to play him straight up like they like Mitch State primarily did against Purdue, where they didn't have a whole lot of doubles coming down at Edie? Uh, and what happened is, of course, they they mainly just played him with they mainly doubled and stuff. I think that was generally the game plan. He ends up with 31 points, 15 rebounds, uh, five blocks. And, uh, and then Indiana shoots the lights out, uh, from three at nine for 15. So I kind of think they did, they did that and they sort of lost in both ends. And I, it makes me wonder if, you know, if they were to look back on that and say, you know, maybe we were happy with him taking twos and then just, you know, occasionally dig down, but not to actually double because it seemed like the doubles, they were just too slow getting there or the rotation was good. And, and Indiana had too many shows. Right? They had too many shooters around the side and, and the shooters got in rhythm and then it was kind of like over. Yep. Yeah, look, I give credit to Indiana for this much. I thought they moved the ball very, very well, which has not always been a feature of that team. Um, and they got the ball swinging it to open shooters and MSU's rotations it's a, it's a challenge. I'm not saying that's an easy thing right. to do, but when you're doubling or digging down and the, the opposition gets a ball back to the perimeter and they start swinging it 
for you to get to every rotation is a challenge. But the great defensive teams Michigan State's had in the past have done that. Um, this one is, I think, a good defensive team. It's not a great one. And they struggle with that. As we say, Indiana, look, nine for 15 from three. The, the number of attempts is not bad, but <laughs> they shot 60%. Yeah. And honestly, they were open looks. So, you know, a good shooting team at home, kind of on a bit of a heater, this can be what happens. Yeah, I think in retrospect, um, maybe Michigan State plays it a little more straight up. And, and it's tough. And what makes it tough, too, is that TJD has become a much better passer than he used to be, too. So and we talked about it. He has more assists than turnovers this year. And he looked the yeah. part today. He made the right decisions and executed for the most part. So that's always tough. I mean, it's, it's a different scenario than when you were facing Purdue for a couple of reasons. One, Edie is not the passer that TJD is. And their perimeter guys don't shoot the way Indiana's group does on the season. They're not as good. There's actually a significant gap. So I think you could maybe get away with doing a little bit more of that. Although Michigan state didn't do very much the Michigan game where they did do a lot of it. Again, Dickinson is not as good a passer as TJD is and Michigan shooters aren't as good as Indiana's. So you could live with it. I, I said in the pregame, I was going to be very interested to see what Michigan state did. And I felt like it was neither fish nor fowl, as they say, <laughs> I don't think they consistently went with anything. And I think when they did try to do some things again, I mentioned Pierre Brooks, he just, he was lost slow. out there and they made him pay. Well, slow is one thing and that definitely makes it tougher. But you can compensate for that through recognition and anticipation. Yeah. And he's slow there as well. That's the killer. It's not just the foot speed. It's what do you see coming? What are you anticipating? Have you, have you gotten into the scouting report enough to know what's likely to happen and, and anticipate accordingly? He just didn't do anything. He wasn't the only guy, but he was very noticeable when Michigan state went to those lineups, which included him when they went to their bench, they just really, really struggled in this game. And I felt they struggled mostly at the defensive end. Yeah. And so he was a big part of that, but it wasn't just him. It was, it was everybody. Look, I think again, the bottom line is credit Indiana for playing the way that they did. They played very, very well. Now in the rematch at Breslin, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to guarantee you, you do not see a repeat of this game. Uh -huh. You will not see it. Indiana offensively played as well as they could possibly play in this game. That's, that's my take on it. They can't be any better. So they will, you will not see this kind of performance in the rematch. Bet the house. <laughs> I guess the only difference is they'll probably have race Thompson. Maybe Xavier Johnson, actually, who knows? I don't, I can't remember how. 
Uh, I don't know about Xavier Johnson. And frankly, if I right, were, I know, yeah, if I know, I were yeah. Mike Woodson, I'd keep him. I'd keep him <laughs> out. But um, I don't know that race Thompson. Look, they could have race Thompson. They're not going to play any better than they did today. Sure. They're just not. They're not going to shoot 60% from three. Uh, they're not going to um, move the ball the way that they did. It's just, it won't happen. So they played extremely well. Tip your hat. You won't see this again. Doesn't mean they can't win at Breslin. I'm just saying you will not see this kind of offensive performance sure. from them because this was, this was their ceiling was what you saw today. Pretty yeah, much there aren't a whole lot of teams scoring 80 points on Michigan state. So, right. I mean that they've held seven opponents under 60 this year. <laughs> IU scored yeah. 80. All right. Number two key to the game, defensive rebounding. <laughs> and we kind of mentioned this already before Michigan state, uh, held Ohio or held Indiana to 31% offensive rebounding percentage, which is not great. It's not disaster. It's not, it's not terrible though. It, it felt worse than that. It felt worse than that because of a couple of sequences where they just tattooed MSU. And that's, I don't want to make too much of it. The analytics people would say that I'm largely full of with this, but I don't think so. I think that if you've played, you understand this. When the opposing team has a sequence where they go two, three, four times at you and they finally end up scoring, that has a psychological impact that can't just be accounted for by, well, they scored on one of four shots. Right. You know, it, it's that's just not the way it actually is. And I felt like Indiana in the second half did enough, made its presence felt enough on the offensive boards at critical junctures that it tilted the balance of this game. And then from there, it was a lot of three pointers and a lot of TJD, but they, they did the, they did enough, even though statistically it wasn't a disaster by MSU. Yeah. And I feel like they, they happened to your point. They happened to keep moments of the game where, you know, maybe Michigan State got a, they had a score. They got the down to like nine points and maybe this is going to start something. And then, you give up two offensive rebounds and now it's back to 11 or so. And, you know, I would also say this too: what doesn't get, uh, counted in those stats. And I'd have to go back through, uh, which I'm never going to do and, <laughs> and it. tally it. But I anecdotally, my impression was Indiana drew a lot of fouls on on their missed shots. Like on a rebound right. attempt, yeah. I mean. So there are more offensive rebounds. There was a lot that of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So you have to factor. And that's why I think the stats can lie a little bit or at least not not totally correlate to what you saw happen. Because I think if you watched that game in the second half, especially, I know I felt like Indiana's really given them a lot yeah. of trouble. I agree. On the offensive glass. So. Okay, the number three key to the game was threes. I mean, we mentioned Indiana shot the lights out. Michigan State was poor from three. They're only 414 for 28.6%. Uh, notables. Basically had one Basically had yeah, one guy. Yeah, Aikens three for you four. Know, Joey hit one yeah, early. That's it. And then Aikens was it. You know, again, Tyson under the weather. I mean, I give him credit for gutting out 33 minutes, but he wasn't able. And Indiana did a good job on him. Indiana did a good job on Michigan State in general. They, they pressed up. Again, it wasn't the total sellout that Illinois had, but it was enough. And it turned Michigan State into, let's put it this way. 
when Michigan State is shooting the ball well from three and when they're getting up a lot of attempts, what do you typically see? Go back to the Rutgers game. You see Michigan State moving the ball and finding the open man. Pretty much what Indiana was doing. Um, MSU was not able to do that today. And I give Indiana some credit. I, I also think some of it was Michigan State played into it. A.J. Hogard was not the kind of playmaking factor he needs to be. You know, A.J. penetrating into the lane and forcing defenses to collapse is a big part of what makes Michigan State go. And I just didn't think he was very effective in those ways today. So um, that was a problem. And, you know, again, hats off to Indiana. I thought they played well. The number four key to the game was turnovers. Turnovers were pretty even. Michigan State with 10, Indiana with 9, Michigan State with 5 steals. Points off turnovers, pretty even, 15 to 13, to 13 in Vantage, Michigan State. So, I don't know. I mean, it, that was pretty much a wash, which you're kind of hoping that they, Michigan State might get a little bit of an edge there. You you were definitely hoping that Indiana, I thought Michigan State's you know, 10 turnovers, that's okay. That's That's an acceptable number. But you were certainly hoping that Indiana would cough it up more. And and again, I think some of that, a lot of it, is down to Indiana played well. They have questionable guard play. And those guards make a lot of mistakes. They didn't make those mistakes today. And Michigan State, with five steals, was reasonably aggressive in trying to create stuff. So I don't think it was you know, a result of, well, Michigan State was just passive and not attempting. Michigan State was active with their hands, yep. you know, but Indiana took care of the ball. Give them credit. That's another thing. Bet the house. They're not going to have single-digit turnovers at Breast. <laughs> I'm telling you, it won't happen. And finally, talking about those guards, guards was the next uh, next thing, and, uh, you know, for the fifth key to the game, and, again, I think Michigan State's guards were better, but not I don't know. Maybe maybe you could argue they weren't better. Maybe you could argue Indiana's guards are a little better, too, this game. Well, Indiana's guards are, are two guys, Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates, each with 17 yeah. points, combined eight for nine from three. That's pretty good. <laughs> they did a great I mean, – Hood Shafino did nothing. He scored two points. He was one for six from the floor, you know. But Trey Galloway – was 17 points, three assists, no turnovers. Tabar Bates, 17 points, uh, and had a steal. Those two guys stepped up and played. You know, look, both of them have shot the ball well this year, and they're both good players, but this was an elevated performance from them. You look at the other side of it, Michigan State, Got a great game, as I said, from Jade Nakins. I think arguably his best game of the year, which is encouraging. Um, but Tyson Walker, under the weather, maybe I still think played yeah. well, but wasn't able to have quite the offensive impact we're used to seeing. And then AJ had his worst game in several weeks. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a nothing. I mean, when you look at AJ's AJ's line, he ended up. You know, it, it, the stats flattered to deceive a little bit. He had 11 points, but he was two for eight from the floor. That's not what we expect to see. Only had two rebounds, only had two assists. That's the big one. If AJ Hogard is not creating, if his assist totals are that low, Michigan state's got a problem. 
because it means that they've been forced into a lot of one-on-one basketball. And that's what we saw. And they can, they've got enough talent that they can survive that for a while. But I think if, if an opponent can turn Michigan state into pretty much exclusively a one-on-one team for 40 minutes, it's tough. Yeah. For a good offensive game, at least MSU might still be able to win it with the way they defend, but obviously that didn't happen today. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you, it was not the advantage because clearly, you know, TJD owned the interior, right? Right. So Michigan state needed to have its guards give them a decisive advantage. And there, if you total all the points up between the three starting perimeter guys, um, I think Michigan state had a slight advantage. Let's see what the numbers were. So it was 26 and eight 34. No, they did not. Indiana won that 36 to 34. There's your ball game. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Michigan state now f- falls to, I was just trying to figure out this, but they're five, five and, four and four in the big 10. Uh, they're now in, you know, the big middle, I guess <laughs> the big 10, we'll call it. Right. Uh, you know, we're, Waiting and seeing when Malik Hall comes back, a loss that you're not not surprised. Well, so you know, we'll see. Good, yeah, go ahead and talk about Malik. I guess good news. Good news on that. He practiced yesterday. He went through warmups and was actually dressed for today's game. Now, obviously, they did not play him, which was not a surprise. But barring any setbacks, I'm expecting we'll see him on Thursday against Iowa. I don't know for how long, et cetera. As we were talking about uh, in our pregame probably you would expect they won't really push the envelope, but I think you're going to see him play. Okay. So Iowa is next on Thursday night. They played yesterday and lost to Ohio at Ohio state pretty badly. Totally predictable. Yep. As you, pre- as totally you predicted, right. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, and this is what I'm saying about Indiana. So the broadcasters who don't regularly do big 10 games. I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard Jim Spinarco on a big 10 game, the color mm-hmm. guy. But, um, you know, Indiana seems to have found itself. Pardon me if I'm skeptical (laughs) because I've heard that about Illinois. I heard that about the way Ohio state was playing out of the shoot. You know, I've heard it about Michigan state when they had Malik Hall and Jay Nakins both back, you know, on and on and on. Every team in this league is going through hot streaks and then it ends. So bet that that's coming soon for Indiana. I do not believe Indiana's running the table no. from here. <laughs> not, know, not, not even close as a matter of fact. Um, so uh, I think the good news for Michigan state, the really good news is if you look at the schedule, I was looking at it after this game. I think if they win the games that you would expect them to win just based on home and away and, you know, and then Nebraska is a road game that you still think you should get. Uh, I see 11 and nine. Mm -hmm. I think there are a number of road games though, that are swing games that Michigan state easily could win. The only one left that I feel the only game on the schedule that's left that I feel like it's a mighty, mighty uphill battle comes next weekend in West Lafayette. Yeah, yeah. That's it. They got this one today out of the way. They've got the trip to Champaign-Urbana out of the way. They've got the trip to Wisconsin out of the way. So the majority of the road games are games like Ohio State, Iowa, 
neutral court. They get Rutgers on a neutral court at Madison Square right. Garden instead of the rack. That's an advantage. So at Ann Arbor, these, I'm not saying these are walkover games, but none of those are games that you look at right now and think, oh boy, Michigan State's going to really have to be on their game. They're going to have to play an A game and hope the other guys are at a C plus or worse to get it done. There's none of those left. And, and maybe even more importantly, this insane pace that they've been on with a game every three days is now over. Yeah. So that's done. And then on top of that, you add in Malik Call is coming back. Look, I think with this three-game stretch they've just got done playing, you would have liked to have gotten two of them because two of them were at home. You got one, but could have easily had two with the way they played against Purdue. Um, I think they survived this. They're okay. 0-3 would have felt much, much different to me than one and two does, you know, and especially given the circumstances again, with, with these, you know, every game, every three days, I guess, actually, you got to go back to Illinois. So they're one and three over that stretch, but it was two road games, two home games, two difficult road environments, and really four quality teams. There was no Minnesota. There was no Maryland. You know, there's none of that on this stretch, they were playing quality opponents. So they've gotten past it. It's going to ease up some, The the nature of the schedule in terms of who they're playing and where is going to get easier. And the pace of games is going to get easier. And then if you add in, hopefully a healthy Billy call back or healthy enough, I think there's still plenty of reason to feel optimistic about where this team could be. And, you know, I would add, there are components even today that make me feel good about what could be yet to come. Jackson Kohler is playing pretty good basketball right now. The best he's been this season, the last two games, I think Jaden Akins is starting to show yep. something starting to show that. So I'm not worried about Tyson Walker. I'm not worried about AJ Hogarth. Those guys will be back. They'll be fine. But if you get Kohler playing like this, if you get Aikens playing like this and you get Hall back, okay, this is, you know, this is a team that I could see going on a little bit of a run and, and being in good shape coming up, up to March, which is really all that matters. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, you know, had we had a healthy contingent of players, all big 10 season expectations and reasonable thoughts of what could have happened and could have been as far as big 10 championships, you know, not to say it's totally over, because we've seen stranger things happen in the Big Ten, but it's going to be, you know, obviously very challenging. It's going to down, be very yeah, difficult. Four yeah. Losses already. yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm past thinking. And I, and honestly, I was past thinking about that um, after the yeah. Purdue loss. Right. Because I just felt, yeah, it's probably because MSU is not done losing games. So that's a bridge too far, but that's okay. You know, the, the important goal is be at your best come March and say what you will about the last two years for Michigan state as unpleasant as they were for a lot of fans to witness, both of those teams were playing their best basketball when they needed to. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. Last year, they left it very late. They really 
because they were not good down the stretch in the in regular season. But for the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, they were at the best they they ever were last season. And then obviously we remember two years ago, the COVID year where they had to be so good down the stretch to even get in. Right. And they were. So if this team can be in that spot, they're going to have the ability to do more than either of those teams yeah, you did think so. come March. I believe yeah. that. Well, both teams will be very will be well rested. Like I said, Iowa played yesterday and Saturday. Michigan State played on Sunday. They won't. Neither team plays again until Thursday. Then Iowa has to may have a makeup COVID game uh, with Northwestern on one day rest, which my wife's really upset about. <laughs> and we could talk. Wait, wait, when is that game? When is that game at, scheduled? Uh, I want to say it's like I just had up a second ago. Uh, they're playing. It's this no, week. No, they're playing. They're playing uh, right after. The, they play Michigan State next. That's the next game for Iowa. Is Michigan State? Okay. But they're playing. I think they play a game at home, and then they play Northwestern two one day later. Well, two days later. So one day rest in between, and then they play two days later after two day rest to the next game as well. So just kind of got crammed in, just like had been Michigan State had to do the other the other year when Michigan canceled a couple of cases right. with their COVID cases. Yeah. And you know, I and you had asked me earlier about Iowa fans being salty, and they definitely are because they're you know. I, Reportedly, there are only four players that had COVID for Northwestern, um, well, the, which means they yeah. had they had six scholarship players, right? And then, of course, they're walk on contingent. I assume, but you know, anyway, we can talk about that the next game. Yeah, and then the and then the you know the the, the then the question becomes: Okay, well, how is Northwestern counting? Are they are they counting with symptoms? Are they counting positive tests? Or are they are they doing this the stuff that they used to do? Exposures. I, I have no idea. I can't you know? answer that. And we don't know. That's the problem. If they're going to, I would say this much, and this will close my comments on COVID for now. If we're going to continue to have this happen, I would suggest that it is in everybody's interest for the programs to be much more transparent about what's going on. That's my two cents. Yeah, no, I think, and and I think it'd be nice having a consistent policy, but for all teams, they shouldn't be different. And I think we know that every university has different oh, right. policies, exactly. right? Exactly. That's what I, be transparent and right and have a league. wide Now that's tougher because, you know, the individual institutions can have their own rules and, you know, it, it, it hasn't been as bad in this part of the country as it's been, I think in the Northeast, but there's been some craziness still going no on with that yeah. stuff. And, and so that makes it tough, but, I think at a minimum transparency, tell us what's going on. And I understand hip people who don't know what HIPAA means will scream HIPAA. Uh, no, that's not no. the problem. This is akin to an injury list. Right. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Michigan state falls again, 82 69 in Bloomington to a red hot Indiana team. They'll then return on Thursday with a, a lot of rest. We'll see who's back. I would look, do another. Oh, and and let let people I was know tease. Uh, one more yeah. time. Uh, yeah, yeah so ahead. a little tease here I'll for to do it. we are premiering our video with Greg Norman. He's the six six, and I'm Garrett Gar- Norman. Garrett Norman, six six, uh, shooting guard from Texas. Not a golfer. <laughs> and and uh, is a great interview. You'll love it. If you're not yet signed up on YouTube, go to our YouTube page and just search out Final Fours on the schedule. You can uh, subscribe there. This. The video premieres at 4.30 Eastern on Tuesday, the 24th. I had a lot of trouble trying to post things uh, late at night. So anyway, 
Uh, but anyway, uh, check it out. You're going to love it. You're going to love this kid. I, we had a f- blast talking to him. He's actually, he's really hilarious. Um, so anyway, it's, it was, it, it truly is without tooting our own horns. Cause it's not about us. It was, it was about him. It was a great, it was a great interview. And I think everybody will yeah, enjoy so it. We, we're looking forward to it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well. We'll be back next with our next pregame for the Iowa game. But until then the final four is on the schedule. Go green. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.